me to know how to stay sober and not share it would be having the cure for cancer and keeping it to yourself. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you're all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12 step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride. Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. That was the voice of Miss Joe M. that you heard at the beginning of this episode. And you, thankfully, will be hearing so much more from her in just a moment. But first things First, this episode right here, right now, this one is brought to you by Timothy and John P. Timothy and John P. went to our website, SoberSpeak.com, clicked on the little yellow Donate tab, and made a contribution. Thank you so much, Timothy Timothy and John P. for your generosity. This episode is for you. I guess if you combine Timothy and John, it would be Jimothy, but they're not combined. I I doubt they even know each other. Nonetheless, so I always seem to go off script a little bit. Uh, I am so glad to be here. I, John M., will be the chairperson for this meeting between meetings, and I am truly honored and privileged to serve all of you listening in. All right, so... We are well into 2020 here. I guess you're going to hear 2020 a lot from a lot of different people uh, as we move through this season. And uh, you know what? I enjoy Christmas. I enjoy the holidays. But I got to tell you, I am glad to be past Christmas and the holidays. I don't know what it is. But somehow, some way, it's not that I, I, like I said, I like Christmas and the holidays, but somehow I have a tendency to go into a little funk when I am in Christmas and the holidays. And it's not because I'm thinking anything bad or not because I'm not enjoying the season. But for me, and this is just me, folks, I kind of get out of my routine, what I like to call my rut. It's what my sponsor calls his rut. In fact, I got that word from him, rut. And uh, I just call it my boring, dull routine. But you know what? I enjoy my boring and dull routine. I have become what I never thought I would become. And when I get out of that boring and dull routine, I get in a little bit of a funk and uh, I'm out of it. And I'm glad to to be with you guys and recording this uh, introduction today. Um, 
Anyway, if you are not following me on Instagram, oh, you should. I mean, and why wouldn't you? And even if you don't have an Instagram account, go in there and set up one. You know, it's not that tough. Anyway, I'm at at SoberSpeak, all one word. And if you're the Twitter type, and I've been getting a little bit more, you know, quite honestly, I just struggle with how to manage Twitter, but I am on there and I've been getting on there a little bit more lately. It's uh, I'm at a, that is sober underscore speak. So uh, Instagram is at sober speak and Twitter is sober underscore speak. And you know, I say follow me on Instagram, but let me tell you how this works in real life. Okay. If you were following me on Twitter, excuse me, on Instagram, uh, there is a very wonderful lady, a friend of Sober Speak, who does all the, I, I say all the posts on there, the vast majority of the posts on uh, Instagram. Uh, her name is Cassandra, and Miss Cassandra, I'm sure you're listening. Thank you very much for all you do. She makes like four or five posts a week. She searches the land high and wide to find really good things to put in there. She makes up some stuff on her own. Uh, she'll look to me for direction on some of the things, but for the most part, she's making those posts. Now, I want to tell you though, in terms of the direct messages, the DMs, I am reading all of those, replying to all of those. So if you want to follow Miss Cassandra on uh, Silverspeak, I highly encourage you to do that. She posts a lot of really good stuff up there. All right. So uh, what else do we have here? Let's just move right on. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you want to send me a voice memo to the podcast, you should do that. Go to your phone, click on the voice memo and send your voicemail to John, J-O-H-N, at SoberSpeak.com. Also, if you want to join the secret, the super secret Facebook group, feel more than free to do that. Send me your email associated with your Facebook account to John at SoberSpeak.com. All right, now let's move on into Ms. Joe M. The pat, excuse me, the title of this episode is called My Path to God in Alcoholics Anonymous. That has quite a ring to it. Uh, Ms. Joe is a, is a member of the Clean Air North group of uh, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous in the North Dallas area and Addison, actually. Joe was a career woman at a prominent newspaper here in the DFW area at one time. She's going to talk about that experience. Uh, the name of the paper was uh, the Dallas Times-Herald. We're going to address things like the, the traditions, an abusive relationship that she was in, uh, how that affected not only herself, but her family as well. Uh, we talk about why Alcoholics Anonymous groups and meetings do not survive, and mm, what is a common denominator there? Joe speaks about something that I think is really cool. She talks about being, quote, totally present in Alcoholics Anonymous, unquote, and what that means, and much more. That is the tip of the iceberg, ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado, please welcome Ms. Joe M, and we will have listener feedback at the end of this episode. Enjoy, everybody. Okay, everybody. So today we are sitting here with Ms. Joe M. Hey, you're a JM, just like I am a John M. JM. Hello, Ms. Joe. Can you go ahead, introduce yourself, Ms. Joe, 
It is J-O, not J-O-E, right? Correct. So this is Joe. Is, go ahead, introduce yourself and give your sobriety date, if you would wish, please, there, yes. ma'am. My name is Joe, and I'm an alcoholic, and I've been sober since May 31st, 1982. May 31st, 1982. That is, and I've cheated because I asked you before we started here, but that is 37 years, correct? Correct. Um, well, congratulations on 37 years. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, by the grace of God, mm-hmm. right? So I asked Joe before she came over today to bring over a reading, something that means uh, is special to her, so to speak. And she has the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in it. By the way, it's a bound edition I'm looking at there. That's a very nice big book. Uh, and uh, so she has the big book open, and she's going to read something that is special to her from the big book. Thanks. This is from page 25. There is a solution. Almost none of us liked the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others, and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living it. When therefore we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much of heaven, and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. Beautiful. Oh, just beautiful. So, you know, I just had to close my eyes while you were reading that, soak it in. Uh, that's a wonderful reading. Okay, so tell me what that means to you, why that stands out. I have loved that since I was newly sober. When I was brand when I was brand new, the big book made no sense to me whatsoever. Um, I couldn't understand it. You know, I didn't know that it was written in the language of the heart, and that was a new language to me. But that paragraph, somehow or another, and that last sentence gave me some hope that I had never, I don't know that I'd ever experienced. Okay, why don't you read that last sentence again for the listeners? We have found much of heaven, and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. Okay, that that always kind of freaked me out when I heard it, okay? And it still Mm -hmm. does, in a good way. And by that, I mean being rocketed into the fourth dimension. And also when it says in the book, uh, we develop a sixth sense, like there's something going on around us. But what what does that mean to you? Why why is that special? When I was was newly sober, it just was pretty, okay? I love the words. It felt like hope and whatnot. But um, my sponsor's birthday, I was the new sponsee and her birthday, she wanted rockets for her, uh, you know, her theme. And so my job was to cut out blue rockets and I, that is not cutting is not my forte. <laughs> and so my oldest son who suffered the most from my alcoholism was quite good at that. He was 17 and he sat down with me, and that's the first thing, sober thing, that we had ever done together, the first thing that we had done together, and he sat and drew and cut out blue rockets. Mm. And so for that reason, early in my sobriety, it took a long time for us to reach a a really good relationship, but that was, to me, 
the day one. That's where it started. And since then, I've come to believe that that fourth dimension that it talks about that we're rocketed into is a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, very nice. Mm-hmm. Love it. All right. So let's talk about, first of all, I want, I want, to, I want to ask you about, before we started, we were talking uh, off mic, you mentioned that you had said a prayer this morning mm-hmm. and you were talking to your sponsor. And I, I would like for you to tell the listeners what that prayer was and your conversation with your sponsor. Yeah, my prayer, I was calling her just to make sure that I was on the right track. You know, I want to run, I still run things by a sponsor. Um, I want My prayer this morning when I was thinking about it is that what I would wish or pray for this session is that, that I could explain how God has worked in my life in the enormous power of God's love that is so available to all of us. Very. And that was my prayer. I was asking him to help me do that. Well, so far, so good. We're just into it a little way, but uh, you're on track for that. Um, all right. So let's talk about your... I'm always curious to uh, uh, about people's spiritual or lack thereof type of background before they came to Alcoholics Anonymous. So where did you grow up? Did you have some sort of spiritual background? I grew up in Dallas and uh, was really active as a young person in the Methodist Church. You know, I went to MYF. I did all of the, all of the stuff. Um, my dad was an alcoholic. Um, he he began to be in the process of losing his business and losing all of the money. And my mother was upset, and it was a chaotic home. It was not abusive in the sense my dad was probably the sweetest, kindest man I ever knew, even drinking. He just um, he never uttered a curse word. He didn't yell. He was he was a gentle soul, but he was dying of alcoholism. And um, I began to move away from it then, and, you know, the belief, the theology that had been real important to me as a young person, and went off to college, and that completed the process. You know, I got new ideas and heard new things, and I wasn't drinking at this point. I, occasional beer here or there, but not not drinking the way I came to know drinking, and um, and then the more I lived the kind of life that I lived while I was drinking and the more harm I caused to my children, I know when I got into AA, it was not so much that I didn't believe in God. I do believe in his existence, but I, did, I believed that God did not believe in me because I had let children get harmed through, a, through the years, and uh, I think we all have the egregious sin, the one thing that bothers us the most, and even maybe more profound than the one we withhold on the fourth step. You know, it's something that changes us somehow on the inside that goes against uh, a, a moral um, fiber, you know, not rules, not, not morality, but something that's important. And having, letting children, you know, uh, act, taking them through active alcoholism, and the way that it happened with mine <clears throat> was one that I thought it was not forgivable. And so God was really not much a part of my early. So I did everything you told me to do. You know, I asked him in the morning to keep me sober. I didn't come up with my own ideas, uh, but I didn't believe it mattered or that it mattered to him. But I was staying sober. And so one of the things I've come to believe about Alcoholics Anonymous 
is that we don't have to believe for it to work. All I had to do was do it. And that's where the power lay. And that's when I look back over my sobriety and I realized that while I was, I was pretty dismissive of that personal relationship. I just didn't, I just didn't see how it could possibly be true, you know, uh, and, um, and yet it was. I forgot to mention on the front end of this that uh, the reason that we're sitting here together today is because of a good common friend of ours, a friend of the show, actually, Mr. Jimmy D. Mm-hmm. So, hi, Jimmy D. How you doing out there? Uh, he had recommended you. And have you ever done a podcast before? I know you've been around for a while. No, I have not. So, this is your first on a podcast. Yes, it is. Well, you, at, you know, and you told me before we started, you had done some of the old AA radio, I guess. What was it called? AA a of the air. A of the air. AA of the air. AA right. of the air. Yes. <laughs> and how would that work? What did they do? Uh, Inner Group used to be located, um, Dallas Inner Group, um, out in North Dallas, and they had a big room, and uh, there was a table, and they'd have maybe six to eight alcoholics, um, all different lengths of sobriety. At the time, mine was pretty new, and uh, we had just a meeting. And uh, someone recorded it that uh, I'm not really quite sure. There was one of our group that was involved in some way, and he did the recording. So that's that's all I recall. And we just had a regular meeting. We started with uh, Serenity Prayer and, you know, the preamble and just had a meeting. Of course, it was broadcast as something like four in the morning. (laughs) So how well it was listened to, we don't really know. (laughs) And on some obscure station, but. But uh, still, you know, I know that it, we do know that it reached some people because when it went off the air, there was some, you know, there was some questions about, you know, because people who were couldn't get out or who were ill, you know, could really hear a real meeting and uh, not a pretend meeting, but a real meeting. Right. Not like you see on the movies. No. Oh, aren't they awful? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so this was real and we tried to keep it as real. Mm-hmm. And um, and I really enjoyed that. That was fun. We had a good time, too. We laughed a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, good for you. Now you can add a podcast. To yes, your, I can add a podcast. <laughs> to your resume. I guess. Do we have resumes? In a, 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 um. So we were also talking right before we started uh, about, I don't know if you call it the history of Alcoholics Anonymous, but you have been around long enough now, 37 years, to where you've seen groups that kind of drop off. They, they are no more. And I know there's a people out there listening right now who are in groups of Alcoholics Anonymous, and they want those groups to survive. Can you tell me what from your perspective, at least, why those groups are no more. In every instance, um, at least one tradition got broken. And the interesting thing about that with the groups, the first group was the alpha group uh, where I got sober, which, you know, um, and then the second group was the Alano group, which was a group down in Oaklawn. It was a small group in Oaklawn and the Phoenix group. A Phoenix, I just went to. The other two, I went to for a, maybe a year as I was searching out groups, but the two that I was involved with. And uh, the first group, the Alpha group, I would say that it just lost sight of its primary purpose. We, 
forgot that service is the key. That's what groups are really in business for, to help other alcoholics stay sober and to show them how to go uh, help others. And the Alano group, I will say, it really got into a situation of uh, personalities over principles. And when we do that, what's interesting about breaking a tradition is you don't break the tradition and tomorrow the group goes away. You break the tradition and people start drifting away. And then the next thing, there's controversy over very small things, you know, an ashtray, a chair, you know, over nothing. And then anger begins. And um, it's interesting, the power of the traditions gives us a way of not only managing our groups, but being able to voice any frustrations, to be in, in, a, in a healthy way, to be able to talk about things that, you know, a, a direction a group should go. And so they have a lot of power beyond just the words, because, of course, all of them, you know, uh, group conscience, God is at the center. And if God is at the center, then, you know, the group will survive ultimately because the traditions will remain important. Well said. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about this last night in that uh, uh, most every episode that I've done up to this point, most have been stories, if you will, uh, of people like you, uh, stories of recovery. And I was just thinking I, I really need to do a traditions um, uh, episode. And so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm starring that here on my uh, paper here right now. I'm going to make that happen eventually. All right. So let's get back to Joe. Um, you know, I don't want to spend a ton of time on before you got to Alcoholics Anonymous, but I just want people to know you're qualified, right? So talk to me about what got you here. Give me a thumbnail sketch of that. I did not start drinking young. Like I say, I had some beers in high school, but, you know, it was nothing that ever interfered with anything. It really was kind of a social thing, and it was just so few times. I was with people who didn't drink, and I think that was key. If I had been, my roommates had been people who drank, I would have done so. But they weren't, and um, I um, got married, and the kid's dad uh, was... um, in the Air Force, and he ended up going to Vietnam as a fighter pilot. And uh, while he was gone, I would say that's where I really began. At that time, I had one child. We had one child. And um, that's where it began. I was free. Um, I was back in school working on a master's degree. I was having a good time. It was all of that. And um, I did not understand about good time that I could not have a good time unless I was drinking. And all I could see was when I drank, I had a good time. When I drank, I became funny, I became pretty, I became smarter, you know. I became all of the things that I thought that I wanted to be, and that's what alcohol did for me. And I know that's not what it was doing for the other people. And, you know, my life was really pretty, uh, it was not a good life. Um, He came back. um, I kind of went on with that marriage. We had another child and eventually came back to Dallas. Um, And I went to work for the Dallas Times-Herald, which is no longer here. Dallas used to have two newspapers. And I worked there 18 years, nine years drinking, nine years sober. I got to make amends to them. What'd you do there? Um, When I ended, I was the director of marketing. 
and research, director of marketing and research, forgot my title. And I was on a career path, I thought, (laughs) until they closed it down. But, um, you know, that's where the drinking took off was there. Everybody drank. There were all those people who went to the bar, had two drinks and went home. I would go to the bar, I would have two drinks, and I wouldn't go home. And I didn't understand that when I had one drink, I was not going home. I believed that until I got into Alcoholics Anonymous, I think, that somehow I could beat that. I didn't understand why. But it was there that I met uh, this uh, uh, second husband, and he was abusive, and this is where my children suffered the most. Of course, they were already suffering. Mom wasn't home. But this was a different kind. And um, we were married a year, divorced a year, and married a year. And the first year, he decided that he would take over the disciplining of my children because they weren't. And that disciplining was uh, abuse, physical abuse. That wasn't every day, but once would have been too many, but it was certainly more times than once. It was really terrible. And so I divorced him, and it wasn't over, and we remarried, and he promised he would not touch them, and instead he turned it on me. And I became that classic abused wife. What did I do wrong? You know, it must be me. If I had been pretty smarter, better, cuter, something, he wouldn't have done that. Now, I had resources, uh, I had a great job, you know, um, I, and I left after a year. But the damage to my children over that period of time did not end when I left. And um, it destroyed something, you know, particularly my oldest son, that took almost 20 years to repair. And I didn't get sober, and they go, oh, Mom, aren't you wonderful? You know, I got sober, and we rocked along. And um, uh, I think I was 20 years sober, really, before I got that bear hug. They're very tall children, and I'm very short. <laughs> and um, I got the bear hug, you know, the the one that was, Mom, We, you know, I love you. My youngest son was a little easier and um, because he lived with me and he was younger, they were 12 and 17 when I got sober. And so, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous has given me my family back. That's why I know God has to be the power because, see, those things can't happen. You know, I mean, not really. You can't undo those. And I'm sorry, or I apologize, or I regret, or I wish it wouldn't happen. Change is not one thing. And the only thing that changes is God's power working with me of trying to be the mother that they needed at this time, not in the past. And um, it's it, it worked, you know. I mean, I'm close to them. I had lunch with, uh, I now have nine grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Between those two boys, they're, one has six and one has three. Wow. <laughs> I have nine grandchildren and two great-grandchildren. And um, my grandchildren think their grandmother is just, Wonderful. She hung the moon. Well, Grandma Rocks is what they tell me. (laughs) (laughs) I had one, my oldest oldest grandchild, that's what he gave me, wrote something, and he says, my Grandma Rocks, you know? (laughs) So I thought, what better compliment from a young person than you rock, you know? (laughs) Do the grandkids know about your involvement in alcoholics? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I have uh, tried to help a couple of them. One of them, this oldest one, is bad problem with alcohol. I took him to his first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. He has not yet seen fit to continue, but, you know, lots of prayer and 
God, you know, he has a God too. So, you know, we just pray and hope for the best. He's not doing very well. But, um, you know, I'll see where that goes. So, you know, I've had uh, people ask, you know, many times that we do, we take a meetings to UT Southwestern every year to talk to the new doctors who were on their second year rotation, because that may be the only contact with Alcoholics Anonymous that they may ever have where, and to use as a tool in their practice. And they all want to know what is it. Okay. What is it that got you to your meeting? You know, did you go to the doctor? And I said, yes, I did. Was that it? Nope, that wasn't it. Did you go to the psychiatrist? Yes, I did. Was that it? Nope, that wasn't it. Did you go to church? Yes, I did. Was that it? No, that wasn't it. You know, only we know there is no definition for it. And there was a power. I just had a feeling that I wasn't going to be alive much longer. Now, I don't mean physical death. I think that, you know, the big book says, you know, we can lead a spiritual life or die an alcoholic death. And I think um, I was having the death of the spirit. And i that's the only way that I can put it. And uh, I believe that's what I had no event. Um, I just got up from the bar and called one person I knew, an Alcoholics Anonymous. He happened to work for me. And I had, he's the, I knew he drank like I did, and I knew he didn't drink anymore. And that's all I knew. I knew nothing about Alcoholics Anonymous. I had never been to an AA meeting. I thought it was the little old men under the bridge, you know. Uh, and um, <clears throat> and I, that first meeting is my sobriety date. And I ran the string all the way out. You know, I mean, I had no more ideas. Uh, I didn't have a better idea. So <clears throat> with Jerry, when, um, you know, he... He saved my life. Is Jerry the gentleman you called? Yes, and he met me. There's nothing more charming than your boss who is stone drunk, you know, to go and meet her for (laughs) coffee. Isn't that just special? You know, so, (laughs) so, but, you know, he did because I called and uh, he didn't uh, judge it or evaluate it. He just met me. I think he just, I don't remember it. He just kept me talking, trying to sober me up a little bit before I went back home. But he did tell me where the meeting was, and I'm a blackout drunk. So, and yet I think God helped me come out of the blackout long enough to be able to go to the meeting where he told me. And that was a noon meeting at the Alpha Group on May 31st, 1982. What do you remember about that meeting? Not a, Well, I don't remember specifics. I remember for the first time in my life, though, you know, that there were people who were voicing the way I felt, and there were no people alike in there, and there were people who had these long-term sobriety, like five years, you know, and I thought they didn't drink like I did, you know, they couldn't, (laughs) they didn't understand, and there was one girl there that had 89 days, and her I remember, I thought, how can you get 89 days, wow. That seemed doable. I thought maybe she drank like me. And I just, after the meeting, went up and just stood next to her, you know, and I wouldn't, certainly wouldn't say anything. And I didn't say I was an alcoholic. Um, I just, but it was rather obvious. You know, I don't think they were in any doubt. But um, I felt that beginning of feeling a part of something the first time in my life. Now, I could not have articulated that at that moment. It was all in a feeling. It was all um, totally an understanding that maybe they do understand me. And 
that was the power of the meeting. They had a meeting. I was, I was obviously brand new. So they had a meeting like many groups do, and that is for somebody brand new. It was a step one, a little bit about what they were like and, you know, and what they had found in AA. And uh, so God had a meeting for me, and, um, and I stayed. All right, we're going to pause here for just a second. We will be continuing our conversation with Joe in just a moment. Please remember, you are listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the web at www.soberspeak.com. There you will find approximately uh, 110 or so other episodes. You can also find the donate button on our website. Uh, and if and only if the spirit moves you to do such, please keep them. You can use that. Please keep in mind, this is a podcast funded by you, the listener. Sober Speak is a self-supporting organization through our own contributions. We are not allied with any sect denomination, politics, organization, or institution. We do not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorse nor oppose any causes. All right, now back to Ms. Joe. All right, Ms. Joe, so you're in Alcoholics Anonymous. You've made it to your first meeting. So take me from there. When did you start getting a, a sponsor? When did you start going through the steps? Talk to me about that. I started right away. Um, the group I went to was uh, very adamant about sponsors. And um, <clears throat> this lady, the first person who'd walked up to me, and she looked at me and said, you're new, aren't you? And I'm going, how did she know I took a bath? <laughs> <laughs> Small things, you know, because I sort of neglect that occasionally. <laughs> and um, I, I guess I came in on a Monday, and I went to a women's meeting on a Wednesday, and um and she just she more or less offered and that I didn't know what a sponsor you know make a lot of assumptions you know I didn't know what one was and so I started and you know she said call me and I called her and we started through the steps and I went through uh really through the first uh seven steps I guess with her and then we kind of parted ways and I got a new sponsor that I had for 25 years until she died Ann Swanson I, I will miss her and Tell her name forever. Uh, what's her name, Ann Swanson? Ann Swanson. 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 S-W-A-N-S-O-N. Uh-huh. And, she, and um, she's the one that uh, brought me into this. She had a relationship with God that I wanted up until the very end. You know, I mean, she had a wonderful relationship. And she had a lot of problems in her life. And uh, it didn't, she just had this, I, I wanted that. She had something I wanted for always, for all 25 years. And um, she helped me through an awful lot. I went through, when I was 10 years sober, I went through a time, I had a lot of stuff go on, where I became alienated from God. And I don't, uh, I guess that's as good a word as any. I, I worked for this newspaper. I had a career path. I was extremely good at my job. I was, well, you know, I loved it. And uh, I'd been at the paper by this time, 18 years, and it closed literally over the weekend. So I had that happen. I had a car stolen from in front of the house, and I broke a little bone in my foot all within this tiny short period of time. And I was going through, hey, God, what's the deal here? You know, I go to meetings. I sponsor people. I was on the state convention board. I was on the intergroup board. I was active. So if I'm all this active, how, how, what, what's going on here? You know, and uh, I thought, you know, I didn't really think you got sober and life got perfect, but I sure didn't think that he would allow all those things to happen to me, you know, and after all, look what a good little AA I am, 
you know, and my sponsor kept saying, but Joe, you're sober. You're going through really hard things and you're sober. And I going, yeah, yeah, you know, and, uh, but I had to reevaluate this God that I had come to understand and realize that he was not working. You know, the one that I had, I had to have a different view, same God, just my view. And I really was treating it like Santa Claus. You know, I, I didn't expect a car in the driveway, but I expected a job and I did not get a great job. Like instantly I had to work really hard and it never came back to that level. And, um, I had to realize that it had to be that deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. And God is everything or is nothing. Or all those sentences that we have in the big book that are so powerful had not really ever had much meaning to me. I was judging my relationship with God based on my outside circumstances. And if my outside circumstances were good, my relationship with God was wonderful. And my outside circumstances weren't good, then he wasn't doing his job. <laughs> you know, he needed to shape up. <laughs> and but I kind of walked away for a little while, you know. And I didn't. Uh, I went to meetings. There was no way I'll ever quit going to meetings. I I don't want to drink. And um, <clears throat> I had to I had to look at it again. And my sponsor helped me a lot with that. But she said, you know, this is your path. I cannot walk it for you. And so I had to walk that path myself and come back into a God that works in all circumstances. And I believe today, um, in the last, um, in the last year or so, unlike that time, I did not walk away, but I think I've reevaluated and come back once again into a stronger relationship with God and bringing him more into circumstances the way they are and, uh, coming back into God is everything or he's nothing. And, I, I believe that it's a lifelong journey. I, if I stay sober in five years or 10 years or some length of time, I'll do it again. You know, those were, it's been ongoing off and on, but those were two significant events, 10 years and kind of within the last year of understanding what this power really is and what he can really do and, um, and how awesome this program is. So you had mentioned a couple groups that you went to when you got sober. I believe you attend another group now, yes. correct? Mm -hmm. which, which group is that? I go to Clean Air North. Mm -hmm. And that's for those of you who don't know, that's in Addison, Texas here within uh, uh, in this area. So how long have you attended the Clean Air North group? Maybe, um, I don't know, maybe, well, it's 20-something years old. I kind of attended off and on when it was first, uh, when it first came into being. Uh, to be more active in and profound has probably been within the last 15 years, maybe. Um, Talk to me about service work a little. You talked about service on the front end of this. I could mm -hmm. tell just from some little things that you've said thus far that you've obviously been involved in service and Alcoholics Anonymous. Talk to me about what it's done for you. I think like a lot of us, you know, again, I'll come back to um, measuring you know, God is to the success of my outside events, you know, whether it's jobs or relationships or something like that, and finding out um, even more so that that's not where the power lies. And, um, you know, we read, when we read the preamble, it says our primary purpose, we know what our purpose is, is to say sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. I just started a new, um, 
service that I, I like, and there's a new homeless shelter um, in Dallas on uh, Forest Lane, which is close, instead of it being, you know, downtown like the 24-hour club. And, um, and I've started taking meetings in there, and I really like that. And on the other side of the coin, on Tuesdays, um, I take, uh, there are several of us that take a meeting to Highland Springs, which is a very high-end retirement center. But these are some people who cannot leave for varying reasons. And so I take meetings into them. And, you know, I walk out of both of those meetings so much more enriched. I don't know what I bring to them, but I know what, what they bring to me. And I, I guess if I pick a service, you know, an ongoing one is sponsorship is what I, is my favorite thing. Yeah. So talk about the sponsorship. Is, is it all girls? Do you sponsor any men? Yes, Just curious. I do. Yeah. Okay. I, I would not go around and say that is the absolute most important, you know, that, that it works in all cases, because I don't think it does. Uh, there have been some circumstances, you know, where um, People I've known their entire sobriety, but mostly, yes, it's women. Yeah. And um, I I would not, you know, in, in the two men that I do sponsor, well, actually, I, I sponsor a, a number of people, so I, I'm not going to count one way or the other. I understand. There, there's more of that. Um, I always talk to my sponsor, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go off and, and uh, I have a sponsor. I have had a sponsor even after Ann died. You know, I've had sponsors along the way. Kept, they've been dying, but that's... <laughs> I've got a fabulous sponsor now, Millie, and she goes to a friendship group. And so... Um, oh, I know Millie. Uh-huh. Yeah, I met, so we had a good conversation up at a Cresta Butte last year. Yes, and she is wonderful, and that's who I talked to just before I, I came here. But I really don't know that we have any purpose for being... Um, to me, to know how to stay sober... And not share it would be having the cure for cancer, you know, and keeping it to yourself. Um, and all you do is carry the message. And I never know. You never know what the end will be. But um, that's God's business. But um, I, I get a great deal out of it. So I don't know what other people get out of it. But um, that's my things. Those are the things I'm doing right now. Yeah. So... There are, and and there's a lot of the guests that come on here that I kind of ask this or give a chance to share their experience, strength, and hope. There are many people, Joe, and and uh, all four corners of the world that are listening to this who are what I call kind of a sober curious, if you will. They're they're not really sure. They may have one foot in, they may have another foot out, and they're not really sure that they are interested in Alcoholics Anonymous or they're just trying to figure it out. From your experience, strength, and hope, how would you describe Alcoholics Anonymous? What have you seen it do for you over the last 37 years? I know that's hard to put into a, just a little two-minute conversation there, but talk to me a little bit about that. When I got into AA, you know, my first expectation, if I had one uh, once, I is that I just did not want to drink anymore. You know, I got a little period of time where I did not pick up a drink, and it was the simplest of things. I got to work on time. I stayed all day. I was productive. I knew where my kids were at night. You know, um, I would go to a meeting and then go home. And early on, all it did was just begin to give me some kind of stability, 
you know, a stable life with with a with a schedule uh, uh, and being uh, there for my children um, and being able to go to their functions, to be able to show up sober. I went to their functions all right before, but they may have wished I had not, right. <laughs> you know. And so, you know, I was completely, I think the if there is one thing is that I, I became completely and totally present. I was present for my job. I was present for my family. I was completely and totally there. And that had not happened in a very long time. And, um, and that I believe was the first gift, you know, of that wanting to be here, wanting to be with them and wanting to be, um, a member, just a member of my family, uh, wanting to be there for my children. And of course I did love my job. That, that's why when it went away, it was very difficult. And, um, but I, I could give everything to it. You know, I became, I could use my head. I could use the intellect that God gave me. Um, I began to be highly successful at work, you know, with in, in a creative way and in, um, in so many ways. And uh, there is absolutely no way to know ahead of time. You know, everyone says, and I'm one of them, if I had made a list of all the things that I thought A could do for me, I would have sold myself short. I did not know that I wanted to be a grandmother. If you had asked me when I got sober, I would have, and to be called grandma, for goodness sakes, couldn't they have come up with something cute, you know, <laughs> instead of grandma, you know. Now I hear grandma and I go, isn't that beautiful? You know? oh. But I didn't know that. I didn't know that holding those little people would bring me such joy. So it's really hard to say what what happens, but I think the one that anyone who is drinking or who is not totally present um, will get to be totally present and totally here, and I can be totally here today for anywhere I go and anything that I do, and it's a gift that was given me almost right away, and it's one that's lasted for 37 years, and that's being able to be here right now. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. All right, so is there anything that you would like to add before we wrap this up, I, I really, I have enjoyed our time together so much. Thank you. Thank you, Jimmy D, for <laughs> referring Miss uh, Joe M, J.M., mm -hmm. over to us. No, it's, um, I, I think when people first come in, um, it seems kind of overwhelming, and they hear people like me with all this length of sobriety. Um, listen to the newer people, you know, if you're new, listen to the ones who are closer, who, who are doing, who have a good life, who seem present. Um, it's taken a lot of hard work to get here. Uh, it's taken a lot of, of questions, uh, on my part. It's taken a lot of ups and downs in my relationships with, in my relationship with God. And yet, you know, all I could ever say to anyone, please don't leave. You know, I know we say in many groups, keep coming back, but I almost wish that we said, don't leave. You know, don't leave before the miracle. That's, I know, a cliche. But the miracle for me early on was not that relationship with God, but that it was being here, being present. I love it. Ms. Joe, you are one class act. Uh, I don't know how else to say it. Uh, you are just an incredible, lovely woman. Um, I'm so glad we got to meet. Um, I hope we will be able to see each other more eyeball to eyeball. Mm -hmm. 
uh, maybe down at the Clean Air North, uh, maybe you come to Frisco. Yes. Uh, maybe we'll see you at one of our live events. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. So anyway, and there are other people from Clean Air North, by the way, who have been up here to this mic. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that? And mm-hmm. we've had uh, Miss Samara, mm-hmm. one I'm thinking of, and oh, there's some others, and I know I'm going to, oh, Magdalena. Do you mm-hmm. know Magdalena? Mm-hmm. She's been in here as well. Mm-hmm. So anyway, all right, well, thank you. God bless you. I'm doing the namaste hands to Miss Joe here. She's doing it back. <laughs> and thank you for coming in. My pleasure. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. Mm-hmm. Thank you a ton, Miss Joe M. It was such a pleasure spending time with you. I sure do appreciate it. If you are listening out there and you want to send a message uh, via myself to Miss Joe M. Send me an email to John J-O-H-N at SoberSpeak.com and I will be more than happy to pass along your comments and I can actually send uh, messages along to any of the other guests that we have had on the program if you want to Uh, reach out to me regarding that. And uh, just as a reminder, I know I said this last week on the uh, intro to uh, the Bill C. Steps 1, 2, and 3 of Alcoholics Anonymous episode, Uh, but we, I said we, my wife actually created uh, on our website, SoberSpeak.com, a list of the 2019 top 10 episodes uh, that we have available out there. You can find that. Just go to SoberSpeak.com and look across the top of the page there, and it says 2019 Top 10. And when we say Top 10, what we mean is 2019 Top 10 Listened to by You uh, episodes. Uh, Like I said last week, I can't really rate them or subjectively uh, tell you which ones to listen to in that way myself, just because it's like saying which one of these, which one of your children is your favorite child, right? Uh, they, they're all good to me, but I can tell you the top 10 that we're listened to throughout the years. So just go to SoberSpeak.com and you can find that information there. Now on to what we've all been waiting for. Yes, Yes, it is listener feedback coming at you, read by Mr. John M. Oh, wait a sec, that's me. All right, anyway, I'm just being a little silly here. I, You know, I really should stop drinking coffee. This is getting to me. Anyway, but, but you know what I say all the time? I've given up way too much. I am not giving up the coffee. Tim T writes in, he says, hi, John, happy new year. Well, happy new year. Back at you, Mr. Tim T. He says, my name is Tim T. I live halfway between Akron and Cleveland. Well, that, my friend, is like, what would you call that? It's like Holy Land. It's like Bethlehem. It is, it is the, it is the birthplace of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'm sure that you know that. Anyway, he says, I'm an older newbie to Alcoholics Anonymous. I was and am a high functioning alcoholic and suffered no consequences yet. But all the time I knew my drinking was not normal. For years, I visited every alcohol recovery sites on the internet, hoping something would hit home and get me to stop drinking. I would make up my mind uh, that 
that today I will not drink, but by happy hour, time came and my resolve quickly went away. I am sure so many people can relate to that listening in right now, Mr. Tim T. He says, I finally had enough and decided that time that the time for action had come for a change, and I walked into my first AA meeting. Although I am early into recovery, the power of the people in AA has changed my attitude and outlook. Life without the daily alcohol routine is possible and fulfilling. Your podcasts and efforts are very much appreciated. I listen and learn so much from your conversations. They are my meeting between meetings as I travel for work and have many nights sitting in a hotel. I can relate to that. I search for alcohol-related podcasts. I found a number of them and listened to a variety before I landed on Soberspeak. Once I found Soberspeak, my search was over. Well, that's very nice of you, Tim. I appreciate it. I have made my way through all, I haven't made my way through all the podcasts yet, but Bob S. episodes 97 and 98 stick out to me. If I could give any advice as a newbie to people that want to stop drinking, people listening out there may want to listen in right now. It is, you can't do it all alone. Amen to that, Brother Tim T. You don't have to, and why would you want to? John M., thanks for all you do. Respectfully, Tim T., and I do want to be part of that super secret Facebook group, and as you know, Mr. Tim T., we got you in there, and I'm so glad to have you in that group and participating. Appreciate it, and thanks for all the kind words. Mashunda writes in, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. She says, hello, John. I want to thank God first for your podcast. Oh, my goodness. Uh, It has been seven months and 15 days since I made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God and admit I was powerless. But I have decided that I want to be in the land of the living, and alcohol moves me miles away. I went back out after five years of being sober a few years back and have struggled since then. I ran across Sober Speak podcast looking for something to listen to uh, on traveling one night in October and listened to Gary K. Steps 2 through 9 in Alcoholics Anonymous. That's a good one to listen to. Um, it was a it was weird because it just so happened that I went to a meeting in a small town in East, De- East, East Texas that following night and he was at, he was the speaker. Oh my goodness. It touched my soul. I have been listening ever since. I have gone back to Sober Speaks, but my first broadcast and I'm working my, oh, I think it's through the first podcast and I'm working my way up. I am telling you now they have helped to keep me sober. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you again. Would you please add me to the Facebook group? May God be with you, Mashunda. Well, may God be with you, Miss Mashunda, and thank you so much. I'm, and I'm glad as always, and I tell people this all the time, and I, and if you've been listening to this thing for a while, you know, I'm not out to replace meetings. I don't want to replace meetings, right? If you have a choice between 
listening to one of my episodes and going to a meeting, get to a meeting. Now, I know some of you, that is not an option, and I get it, uh, but I am so glad that we can uh, fulfill that time in between meetings for most of you when you're not able to get to a meeting. And I'm so glad you got to see Gary Kay speaking in person. That's fantastic. Rebecca writes in again from New Zealand. She says, Kia Ora, John. Kia Ora, John. I was listening to Bill C. today. And she's talking about Bill C. Steps 1, 2, and 3. It is the episode right before this one. She said, it's just what I needed to hear. I was having a good laugh with what he said about how we're just emotional teenagers. <laughs> and she puts in parentheses, yep, that's me. And the word became unmanageable. My life was never manageable in the first place. She's referencing what he was talking about in the podcast. Yeah, I remember that. In essence, it went from absolute chaos as a kid to not all there as an adult. I was clueless when I came to AA. Quite often, I find myself in interesting chats with my teenage daughter. Well, if your teenage daughter is listening in to this, uh, Miss Rebecca, tell her I said hello. Anyway, or I guess she could just hear it. Hello, teenage daughter. She'll often run something past me because she knows her perceptions of things isn't always right. Well, that's a, a very... Um, how can a mature teenager? But at the same time, uh-oh, as we we're having that discussion, I know it wasn't long ago that I was that I was having the same struggle as in maybe a couple of years ago. Wow, I really did miss out on growing up. Most like much like most of us in the recovery in recovery it would seem yes i would i would uh, agree there although excuse me also it was only yesterday yesterday that i behaved like a screaming banshee when things didn't go my way my husband borrowed my car returned the car to the garage and i couldn't find the keys because it was in his pocket but then had a flat battery and it's just before my beloved meeting. I'm glad I'm laughing about this now because it really was ridiculous. Sure, it's annoying when my other half does something silly, but he fixed my car and lent me his problem solved. And I still got to my meeting where I fessed up to my behavior. I really can't repeat what I said, but I don't think I said anything so childish or outright funny when I was drinking. Anyhow, it's the above example of mon momentary lunacy that will keep me trying my best at the 12-step program. And that's where it was refreshing to hear Bill C. say today, I can't speak for anyone else, but I'm here and I'm not all alone. And control, I still have laugh out loud clearly. Some issues about not being in control of everyone and everything. So back to steps one, two, and three for me right now. Naga Mihi. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I tried it last the time she wrote in. Rebecca. Well, thank you, Rebecca from New Zealand, from writing in again. And Naga Mihi and Kia Ora, right back out to you. 
Kamal writes in, and Kamal says, hope I'm pronouncing that right, K-E-M-A-L. Hi, John. I am 30 years old. I live by the coast of the English Channel in Ramsgate. Well, hello, Mr. Kamal. Up to four months ago, I lived in London. I did a geographical before I got into recovery. Oops, it's peaceful here which gives me space and distance from the traumas of London life. Towards the end of my drinking life was completely unmanageable. I was homeless, insolvent, and made several attempts on my life before recovery, before finding recovery, and a wonderful sponsor and therapist. I wonder if that's the same person he's talking about. Anyway, I am still early on in recovery, but I absolutely do not want to go back. I'm doing my step four at the moment and I'm facing the wreckage and I can't wait to clear. I am finding peace of mind, self-worth, and empowerment to be a better person to myself and to others. Let me read that again. I really like that. Kamal says, I am finding peace of mind, self-worth, and empowerment to be a better person to myself and to others. Nicely said. I work as a musician teaching composition at a conservatory in London, accompanying ballet classes, and I am a composer. Wow, this talents I don't have. That's fantastic. I've just started my first piece in recovery, and I can't believe how far the changes I have made have gone in myself. I am writing more fully with intention and with a speed that I did not have before. It's from a spiritual place instead of the panic and fear that drove my work before. Nice to hear. I discovered the podcast when I was finding it difficult to get to meetings. Being in a small city on the coast, there aren't as many as the 900 a week in London, and I did a quick search. It's just been so wonderful and helpful to connect in that way, and I know that there is unity amongst us, even across thousands of miles. Thank you again, Kamal. Well, thank you, Kamal. Thank you for writing in, and I'm so glad you're on the right path out there in England. All right. Uh, Kim writes in on the Instagram. Kim DM me on the Instagram and she says, your podcast got me sober. Ex- triple exclamation point. You got to be kidding me here. This is what I do this for, gang. You know, I mean, I, first of all, I don't think my podcast actually got her sober. Uh, I think between the guests that I bring in here and God and, and meetings and all the things that kind of uh, are, are are going on within this fourth dimension. I think I can be a tool here, but nonetheless, she says, your podcast got me sober. In the beginning, I was listening to two to three episodes a day. I learned so many great things, tools, and that I wasn't alone in this struggle. I tell everyone about your podcast. I'm one year and three months sober. Oh my goodness. That just, made my day. Feeling fantastic. It's so good to be present, three exclamation points. (laughs) You truly saved me. Thank you, my friend. I hope you and your family had a great holiday, exclamation point, with a little heart symbol. Thank you so much, Kim. Um, I just, um, 
you and all the other listeners mean the world to me. And uh, um, I, I don't know what else to say. Just thank you so much. Mike D writes in and he says, hello, John, love the podcast. Sending gratitude, sending gratitude from Royal Oak. Michigan. Listen to the podcast every week and I've shared it with other me members in a handful at a handful of meetings around here in Royal Oak, Michigan. I listened almost I listen almost every morning while doing my morning rituals getting ready for work. I always like to hear what people are doing when they're actually listening to the podcast. I think it's great. I do not have any social media, but I would like to be signed up for the email list. Well, you got it, Mr. Mike D. Have a a great day and keep it up. Also, I attend AANA and Al-Anon, so I am always glad to hear members share stories from the other fellowships. My sober date is 727-2001. Thank you, sir, from the Metro Detroit area of Recovering Alcoholics, Addicts, and Codependents. And I wrote back to him. He did not leave his uh, name. And I said, do you mind if I have your first name? And can I read your feedback on listener feedback? And he said, laugh out loud. I wonder if once people say that, laugh out loud, if they are truly in their room laughing out loud every time. Or is it just a way of saying, eh, it's kind of sort of funny. Nonetheless, he said, laugh out loud. Sorry, John. Mike, sorry, John. Mike D is the name in my Australian voice. Now, I don't know why he's saying in his Australian voice. <laughs> he says, my impersonations are as good as yours. Laugh out loud. And that's kind of tongue in cheek. <laughs> what he's really saying is mine aren't good and yours aren't good. <laughs> he says, I sent the email before work this morning while I was getting ready for work. Yes, sir. I would love it if you mentioned this email on listener feedback. I play them in the morning, stretching and making my morning smoothie. Oh, now we're very specific. So you're stretching wonder how he stretches. What do you think, folks? Is he like doing yoga? Is he uh, just like, I mean, is it like five minutes of stretching? Anyway, you don't have to go into detail, Mike, but I am just wondering in my head exactly what kind of stretching you are doing. Uh, maybe he's like, you know, bendy. Maybe he works for Cirque du Soleil and he is, you know, like on a, a, a trapezoid or whatever those things are called, not trapezoid, uh, a tra- tra- trapeze. Anyway, you get it. Maybe Maybe he's swinging over the kitchen and stretching at the same time. Nonetheless, he says, I play them in the morning while I'm stretching and uh, making my morning smoothie. Now I'm wondering what's in that morning smoothie. Is it spinach? Is it fruit? Um, Who knows? My guess is it's healthy though. And he says, while my 20-year-old daughter Gwen listens in. Oh, wow. We're getting some real detail here. I love this. It's so awesome because it creates a loving recovery dialogue between us. Thanks for the love and service you put into the podcast. Sending love from Metro Detroit Metro Detroit recovery members. Well, now Gwen, 
If you're listening into this right now, I am so glad that you were a bystander listening in to this recovery uh, um, podcast. And I would be very interested in knowing what sort of dialogue is sparked between you and Mike D, your father. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm, and, and I, I'd be curious also is if, what you have learned throughout the years listening into podcasts like this and listening to your dad and so on and so forth. But anyway, as I usually do, I just went off the reservation completely, folks. But uh, uh, anyway, Mike D, thanks for writing in. And Gwen, we are so glad that you are joining us as well. Aaron, or it could be Aaron, A-R-O-N, writes in from Mexico, and he says, uh, John, I am from Mexico City. I was without drinking for 18 years. I stopped going to a group, and one day I was at, at an all-inclusive with my wife. I wanted Jack Daniels. I took it and started my relapse for a year and a half. And after that, I returned to AA. And fortunately, I, I res resumed a sobriety. I'm 48 years old and I'm fascinated by motorcycles. I'm so sorry. Why did I do that? Nonetheless, I discovered your podcast on Spotify and I love it. And thank you very much. An apology for my English, but it is not my native language. A hug and a happy 24 hours. Aron. I'm going to go with Aron, A-R-O-N. It could be Aaron, but I am just guessing at Aron. And a hug and a happy 24 hours right back at you. And you need not apologize for your English. It is absolutely fantastic. If there is anybody who should be apologizing here, it would be for me and my silly Spanish. But thank you, Mr. Aron, from, from writing in. I don't know why he put the piece in here about being fascinated by motorcycles, but I'm so glad that you, my friend, are fascinated by motorcycles. Cammie writes in, and Cammie says, Hi, John. Thanks for all you do. I've been listening to Sober Speak for a month now. I am through more than half the episodes. Thank you, Cammie. I'm so glad you're being able to go back and listen to the entire catalog. And by the way, if you don't know how to access that, nah, I'm not going to go through all that right now. Anyway, uh, uh, she's listening to half the episode. She says, I am having a hard time getting back to the rooms. Oh, no. And being back and back to getting sober, mostly because of medical issues and medications I currently take. I know I need to return to the solution. I just don't know how. At one point, I had four years of pure sobriety. I had a home group. I had a fellowship, a sponsor, and was working the steps as outlined in the big book. Looking back, I feel like I worked every step thoroughly with the guidance of my sponsor, except for step nine. I feel like I was there. I feel like there was so much emphasis on one through eight and 10, to, uh, 10 through 12, especially 12, that step nine got left out there somewhere. For this, 
I am still confused as to why. I picked my sponsor for what I saw was a very vibrant and successful sponsorship lineage. Anyway, was wondering if perhaps you could start asking your guests about their experience with Step 9. I was looking for an episode that focused on Step 9, but couldn't find one out there. Uh, There is an episode entitled Steps 2 through 9 with Gary, but when I listened... It was all about step 10. Also, can you add me to the secret Facebook group? Thanks again, Sober Speak. Thank you again for Sober Speak. It's helping me so much. I am getting up the courage to go to a meeting ASAP. Please pray for me, Cammy B. Well, if you folks are out there and you're looking for something to pray for, please pray for Cammy, that she can get back as Cammy, K-A-M-I, that she can get back into the meetings, as she says, A-S-A-P. And I will start to ask our guest about uh, a step nine. And another thing you can do, Cammie, and I forgot to tell you this, by the way, I did send you another episode, as you know, uh, with David G, where he talked more about step nine, but in the Sober Speak uh, uh, Super Secret Facebook group, you can post in there and people will give you feedback um, that may be another way to get more experience, strength, and hope where step nine is concerned. All right, folks, that is another wrap for another week of Sober Speak. Hope you enjoyed Joe M. I sure did. God bless you. I love you. I'm taking this one week at a time. Hopefully, we will see you again next week. Adios.